Oh wait, no longer greatness has arrived. Welcome to the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. I'm your host, Joseph, a.k.a. Mr. Badbit, and it is here where me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest, the greatest in all things PlayStation. Of course, you can listen to this show wherever you find your podcast and the video version at the Trophy Room Show. And if you like what you hear, please consider dropping us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. You could plop us a follow over on Spotify. Or if you really, really like us, you could toss us a buck our way over at patreon.com slash PS Trophy Room. So with all that said and with all that out of the way, the greatest co-host, whoever is, whoever will be, Mr. Kyle Stevenson. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. Yeah? It's been a long week. It has it's been. It's only Wednesday. <laughs> it has been. I made, I made the comment at work today. It was mm. like 4 o'clock. I get off at 4.30, and I go to the front area of work, and the guy who works at the front and greets the customers who come in and takes phone calls or whatever, he goes, oh, what's up, Kyle? I go, man, I'm watching that clock. I'm ready to go home. He goes, oh, I'm not going to say anything. I was like, oh, is that, is that a bad thing? Yeah. So don't we all just look at the clock and want to go home? Maybe it's like, oh, we'll keep it between us. Like, we both want to go home type oh, of thing. Man. I hope that's what it is. Like, what, did I do something wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to go home. I know. Me too. Dude, like, once yeah. it hits 4 o'clock, I feel like once the final hour of work happens is probably where you do the least amount of work. Oh, I I do a lot in the last hours. So. Oh, really? Because you just like it'll make the time go by faster. Well, no, it's just like I my lunch is usually around like one thirty. Oh, okay. So at two o'clock, I only have two and a half hours left, mm. and in those two and a half hours is when I go up and do all the heavy lifting and the hardware bundles and whatnot yeah. and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I feel like after lunch is where I'm the least productive. Any coworker listening to this, I'm very. Sorry, <laughs> but like, uh, cause like I just had lunch and now like my body's digesting. It. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh-huh. shout out this week and no product placement, no sponsor, but we are open. We are open for conversations to make this the sandwich of the trophy room. Oh, okay. Shout out to Jersey Mike's Philly cheesesteak. Okay. Possibly one of the greatest sandwiches I've ever had. Like fast food wise. I've never had it. I mean, my first Philly cheesesteak was when I was in Philly, like two months ago. Dude, well, first off, they do it right because there's no mushrooms. That's good. Good. They just do the perfect amount of onions, perfect amount of peppers. Nope. Mm -mm. And I do extra cheese because I like it real cheesy. Yeah. Just give me the meat and cheese. But honestly, once I ate it, I'm like, and I am clocking out. (laughs) All productivity ends now. Uh, There is a nap time after lunchtime, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which should be also a rule, you know? Right. Like, I I feel like... I feel like Spain does it right, where everyone gets like a nap time, a siesta, or something every day. Why are you asking me? You think I know? No, that's not why. That's not why. I legit think Spain it does is. that. You know, we okay. yeah, it's it's like a European thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it, uh, that's the thing, dude. Like Europeans, you got it right. Y'all are chill. Like yeah. you have lunch, and it's like literally everybody is out for like an hour thirty minutes, yeah. and they're out in the cafe and they're just sipping coffee, enjoying life. Meanwhile, here in America, we are just rushing to our graves. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> makes no sense. It's like, oh yeah, we're not gonna pay you for this lunch. It's like, why? Yeah, we're gonna give you a fifteen-minute break. You better be back before that fifteen minutes are up, or else yeah. I'm docking you some pay. Yeah. 
How dare you? That's why. That's why. Listen, retail workers, you know this. You got to plan out your poops at work. Um, yes. You How plan sad is that? You got to steal How the time back. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Retail workers know this. But listen, we're uh-huh. not talking about stealing back. <laughs> we're not talking about scheduled poop breaks. Yeah, we're exactly. We're not here. We're here to talk about PlayStation, darn it. And this week, surprisingly enough, a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about a new Tomb Raider and Max Payne remakes that have just been announced for PlayStation 5 and next-gen consoles. We're going to be talking about how E3 is dead, and maybe, just maybe, PlayStation Experience may come back. And of course, we are joined by Nathan from Press YYZ to talk about his thoughts on Moss 2. All that and more on this week's episode, wouldn't you know? But before we go ahead and do that, I want to go ahead and have our little Patreon pitch. Of course, if you ever got me through a long car ride, a tough day at work, whatever your situation may be, it really does help us out. If you toss us a buck our way over at patreon.com slash PS Trophy Room. It's the reason why we look so good. It's the reason why we sound so great. How many compliments we get on the sound quality of this show, it is solely because of your generosity over at patreon.com slash PS room. And I dare say we may not be the number one PlayStation podcast, but you damn bet. We are the best sounding PlayStation podcast. And it's not even close. Here, here. I want to thank our newest members, Jesse Garcia and Lord of shadow 92 uh, at the both silver plus and bronze tier. I want to thank our platinum producers, Todd Berwitz and toxic. I want to thank our gold members, Spam and Bam and Too Soon, Gavin Gottfried, Jose Jimenez, Jedi Master Ren, Metal Kirby, Awesome Dave, Robbie Bobby Miller, Shrewbills and Bits, and Chaotic Monkey. I want to thank our Silver Plus members, Hide Indoors, Nakajaka, Marcus O'Neill. Oh, it's just right, JB, the Purple Monkey, Jedis Von Metal, Tim Ulf, Justin Rodriguez, Cypher Primus, Captain Logan, Todd Roper, Brenton Zachary, K. Grimm, Rick Arrington, Duane Raksha, The Good sh- Sir, Trucker Sloth, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, Drellis, Foolish Fuji, Any Day Now, Kevin Mitchell, Kevin Diaz, Manx Vizia, The Lord Commander Corgi, Elo2032, Stephen Flesh, Jinx the 15th, we're just skipping numbers, and Bubble Boy N7. Which now I'm thinking of the movie Bubble Boy, but like in the N7 garb, that is hilarious. Sir, you win the internet. Whew, the list gets bigger. And our appreciation only grows. Now, Kyle, it's time to square up the news. First bit of news that needs to be squared up is coming to us from The Verge. Mm-hmm. Ash Parrish writes, E3 2022 is canceled. There will be no E3 this year. In a tweet, Will Powers, PR for gaming peripheral manufacturer Razer, said that he received an email stating the the digital event was canceled. IGN initially reported the news, saying they had also independently viewed the email confirming E3's cancellation. The video game trade show and marketing event was originally scheduled to be held in person this year. However, in January, E3 was once again shifted from an in-person event to an online-only exhibition due to the pandemic. Now it seems that the digital event has been completely canceled. There have been growing concerns about the fate of E3 for the last few years. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact in-person gatherings, making the prospect of a very large and famously packed event unattractive. 
Last week, a number of video game industry professionals reported testing positive for COVID-19 after attending the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. In addition to pandemic concerns, video game publishers have increasingly withdrawn from E3 in favor of hosting their own online events like Nintendo Direct's showcases, EA Play Live, and Sony's State of Play. As news of E3's cancellation broke, consummate video game hype man Jeff Keighley smoothly stepped in to announce that his Summer Game Fest is confirmed for June of this year. Now, I do, and I don't want to place the blame because this this is old news. That's why we're getting it out of the way stat. All right, this this broke literally the day of us putting out the trophy room last week. Uh, so I think Jonathan Dornbush may be cursed. I think any podcast he's on, big news follows immediately afterwards. <laughs> But with that said, how dare you? Spam and Bamman writes in, hey guys, with this year's E3 canceled and Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest uh, premiering its showcase lineup for the third consecutive year, do you think this year will mark the official end of E3? Do you think the expo culture is dead in the water or does it still have life left? Kyle, I saw the GDC tweets and I were I was very upset. Because it Same. looks like some people came in to GDC knowing that they were positive, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to be like, oh, everybody get the shot, you should. But like, you know, whatever, like, I'm done. If you don't want it, yeah, there, there, there's I give a up. difference. Fine. There's, there's a difference. There's, there's a difference of like, oh, I tested positive. The least I can do is not come to this thing. I yeah. get it. The feeling of like, I wasted time, money, and resources. But like, you could get people sick. And yeah. there's just like a total disregard for it. And that really... Very selfish. Yeah, angered me and, of course, so many others out there. Because you could have gotten someone hurt. Mm Could have killed someone's grandma. I don't know. Uh, That being said, though, with E3 and now even the digital version. Like, remember last year where they tried, like, the weird digital E3 and it was awful? Not great. Yeah. They're not even going to try this year. Jeff Keighley stepping up to the plate. Do you think that this is the end of E3? It is as close to nailing the final nail in the coffin that I think we can get before, yeah. like before, just of a statement saying, "Hey, E three is never coming back." Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is not good for him. Yeah, because like it's, real talk, Kyle, E three is gone, but there's still events being planned. Like, <laughs> like we're still like you know planning stuff at work of where to go. And yeah. when we can go and all that. I mean, like, like, at the end of the month, I'm still going to PAX East. Yeah, double mask, you son of a gun. I oh, can't wow, 100% I will. Get the Moderna, get the Pfizer, and the J&J all at once. <laughs> I'll become a god. <laughs> exactly, start <laughs> radiating gold. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, things are still He's happening. turned into something more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just levitating on the show floor. Exactly. Like, I'm not even walking. Uh, I, 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 I think it's telling, though, like... Since Jeff has been doing I'm this sorry, summer of gaming. Second. Oh, no, go ahead. I pictured you as Morbius. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I never will. I never will, too, but I don't know why. I picture it. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's pretty telling, though, the past couple of years, though. I think Jeff's summer of gaming and summer game fest has taken over E3 in every step of the way, I feel like. Yeah, and I think it's worked out the kinks in a, in a pretty decent way like it hasn't been like a one-to-one no and Um, it's still not perfect yeah but i think that is the video game kind of celebration that we look forward to in the summer yeah is this summer games fest now like i'm really surprised how much i actually like the big 
you know, event that they had last uh, August, where it's like yeah, the two big hours showcase long. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they could try somehow to make it an hour thirty minutes, and it being like what <laughs> Jeff has with the Game Awards, which is like just show you trailers and pace it out. And Jeff's getting the pace down pretty well. He's so getting there, yeah. Just get the pace down, and I think you're going to be able to to put on a good show. But I do think it's not the one to one replacement because nothing's going to replace you know what Xbox does. I, I forget what they call their events, just showcase. It, it's not like the future games of PlayStation or a Nintendo Direct. It can't be because like no matter what Jeff does. Jeff ain't going to get the next gears on his showcase. He's not going to get the next Uncharted on the showcase because then they're buying for time. Yeah. You're going to get the smaller scale announcements from them. Maybe they're their tier two type titles, but you're not getting like Spider-Man there because again, Spider-Man would compete with perfect dark or whatever. Unless he reaches out and says, Hey, PlayStation, would no you way. like to do your say to play under the umbrella? Or something oh, like that? yeah, they'll do that. And yeah, I think that's, yeah, yeah. I think that's what like the summer's game fest has really become. It's just like, here's a calendar. Everybody put your shows where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And maybe he can structure it in a way where it's like all the digital showcases are in this one week and schedule mm-hmm. it like, like E3. Yeah. And I feel like if he could do that, then I think we're in for a good time because mm-hmm. I don't want what we've had for the past two, three years where it's like these sporadic events, everybody's expectations are through the roof and never met, but also, mm-hmm. That's the internet. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I, I I do I I do like that Jeff Keighley is the one stepping up to the plate going, I can I can do this, you can trust me. And it seems like the industry is very much behind his his back here. And I think you're going to see probably one of the more polished and one of the best reasons as to not go to next year's E three. I think yes. this is Jeff's case to go. All right, this is why ESA sucks, and you need to just come join us uh, or Mm -hmm. let me do this. And I think, like, I think E3 will be back next year, but it will not succeed. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling it just won't. I feel like they've, they've just, they've fumbled the ball so many times with trust. I just, yeah, I don't don't see it happening. That being said, Drellish writes in and he asks, Will E3 be missed in the industry? Will you or Kyle miss E3 this year? And alternatively, does the industry still need an E3, regardless of what happens in the next few years? Is the writing on the wall? Uh, very interesting. I miss, I, I'll have memories. Yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, I, I will always remember the really amazing E3 showcases that PlayStation have put on. Yeah. Like we always talk, I always talk, bring up the what, 2016, 2017, where it was like nonstop Resident Evil 7, God of War, Days Gone, God Horizon Zero Dawn, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. like Crash, uh, you know, Insane Trilogy final announcement or whatever, like uh, Death Stranding, Kojima walking down the LED ramp. Oh, my God. Uh, one of the best shows ever put on in the video game industry. Yeah. I always remember them and I always I always go back and watch them anyway. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like E3 might be missed and has been missing already from people in games journalism because E3 was a thing for them to cover games. Yes. And, and and whenever E3 went public, it's changed a little bit, even for, as an outsider looking in. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like the coverage was a little too hectic and not as thorough. 
as it has in years past because it's harder for people to get play as many games as they can an yeah. IGN or whatever because the public is there as well. So it, it has changed already, and I feel like I do I will miss a little bit of that strictly just you know the professionals quote unquote going right. in and and covering it and and telling us about all these cool things. But other yeah. than that, I just I like. I think we miss the idea of E3 because we're all watching it from our TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Or, or through our monitors or through our phones, whatever. And like, to me, I'm just like, I never looked at E3 going, I want to, I want to be there. It's like, I never had that feeling. Like I wanted to be at E3, but what I really wanted was to be at PAX. Mm. That's what I really, like, I love PAX. It hurts me not going this year, but like. E3, it's like, to me, I'm like, I could take it or leave it. Because, yeah, from what I understand, since they let the public in, nobody likes it. Both yeah. public and, and and the people there. So, now, I, I again, I think it's going to be missed. But, you know, with Jedi Master Ren's question, actually, is perfect. The last year, uh, with last year's E3 potentially being the last or this year's, uh, do you think people will have fond memories of E3 as a whole when we look back on it in the future? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to, like, you know, you just talked about, like, 2016, probably the best E3 ever. Yeah. And then you've yeah. had some really cringy ones back in the mid-2000s with Spike TV. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, what was it? Like, the the comedian, I think his name is, like, Jason Kennedy or something like that. He Jamie was, Kennedy? Jamie Kennedy. That whole, like, shit show. The Konami. Oh, my God. We'll never have the cringy moments with the whole no. Konami. You know, no, press. that one. Oh, boy. Whoa, Kyle. You showed me gold <laughs> that day. But, like, yeah, we'll have memories, and I definitely have some, but it's and that's And that's the thing when I think of E3, because I've never been to an E3, mm-hmm. I think of the showcases, and that is such a small part of what E3 is. Yeah. E3 is, like, the show floor and showing off the games and we as the public getting to just watch the showcases is our little peek in. Yep. But that's really not. It's not it, fam. That's not what it was all about. So my memories of E3 are the showcases. And when you say I never wanted to be at E3, I I would have killed to be in the, the, the room for those kind of, uh, those showcases. Yeah. doesn't matter what I would have loved to have been in there. And I think like, those background or you know backdoor deals that we always hear about at E3s, I think and I hope and and that's really what will be truly missed the, those weird elevator pitches that turn out to be multi million yeah. dollar games like Kingdom Hearts. But like to me, my hope is like there are more events coming out there for industry folks to go and mingle. I hope that those are kind of going to replace what E3 was, and I think that's more of a good thing. That said, yeah. Nagachaka says, what's your favorite E3 moment of all time? I'll never forget E3 2018, beer and pizza with my friends and losing our minds when Capcom revealed the Resident Evil 2 remake. We literally just jumped off the couch and screamed and did fist bumps in the air. Now I'm thinking you're from the Jersey Shore, Nagachaka. <laughs> um, God, uh, speaking about memorable showcases, what yeah. a weird showcase that was that year from PlayStation. Oh my God! Yes, when they went to the outside thing and people had to move rooms and the, it uh, opened fantastic with the Last of Us Part yeah. Two stuff. But my favorite moment of all time is is the Final Fantasy VII remake, um, first reveal with Adam Boys on stage and yeah. him teasing it and, and knowing immediately uh, from just the little hints of the video and and the, the music and. 
God, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. That well, is my favorite moment. PS4 was revealed uh, on E3 2012, right? Was it E3 or was it that February event? Well, it was like the weird February event. They they brought Bungie in. They showed a little bit of Killzone. And then E3, that's when they showed off the price. And that was like the moment. That's when Joseph was solidified. This is a place I'll play for 10 plus years. Because it was that moment where I was just like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever pick up an Xbox a controller. And to be quite honest, I haven't like really went back. Like I'll still play my Xbox occasionally. But again, like PlayStation is just superior like so dominant in my play sessions that's where i want to go first and foremost and it was with that moment of like jack trenton going like you know four hundred dollars shuhei going this is how you trade in your used game um you know you don't need always online but that that was a effing lie you know all those things at the time spoke to us in such a visceral way that um that's probably like the moment that I go back to because that, that I, I love those like little like those pivotal like turning points in, in our culture. Um, and that was yeah. definitely one of them. Uh, February 20th, 2013, they had the uh, future PlayStation event, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't show off the console until E3 that year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that said, Kyle, listen, I'll throw a little dirt on the grave of E3. It's been swell. I you know, I saw, I've seen rumors of like, is there going to be a PlayStation event this year? Like an in-person one? I hope not. But I do see in the future, Kyle, uh, you know, a PlayStation experience coming back. I would love for it to come back. Talk yeah. about a great show. I think that that that's next year. You get you get people all across America in theaters watching oh, and God, having yes. those communal moments. That's what I definitely that, think is going to happen. That's the cool thing that PlayStation did for E3. Yeah. Like you could, uh, I went to Manhattan and watched the showcase in a movie theater. It felt like I was in the room at a showcase. It was awesome. Yeah. But hopefully next time when there's people in the theater, there's actual people in the theater. Yes. You know? Fun fact. Yeah. Uh, both of the time, the last two times that they did it, mm-hmm. I am in the recap video on the official PlayStation YouTube. Look it up, everybody. Look it up. You can see me reacting to God of War. Uh, you can see me. They, I actually have spoken word dialogue during the video with Catherine as well. <laughs> nice. Hide indoors. Nice. Yeah. It's great. It's fantastic. Oh man. Again, those members they'll come back. I think it's just next yeah. year. I think this will be the last yeah, yeah. weird year, but I think you're gonna you're going to see events pop up that are PlayStation specific, Xbox uh, specific, and Nintendo always does the weird things in, in New York. So they're gonna come back. I just don't see E three coming back. Um, because I think Jeff is going to kill it this year. I have faith. Yeah. That said, Kyle, let's talk about what every podcast is talking about. Acquisition season BB. Oh, boy. Zermina Khan over at PS Lifestyle writes, Sony reiterates that PlayStation acquisitions will continue. Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan has reiterated yet again that he's not done with PlayStation acquisitions just yet. Making a rare appearance on the latest episode of the official PlayStation podcast, Ryan told host Sid Schumann that Sony is aggressively expanding its development capabilities, both through acquisitions as well as organic growth. He said that PlayStation Studios are now in a, quote, virtuous cycle, end quote, where success begets success. 
And in an update from Chris Scullion at VGC, uh, Chris writes, Sony's Bungie acquisition saw more Twitter discussion than Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal. Twitter's global head of creator and gaming content partnerships, Rishi Chatta? Kata? Yeah. Sorry, Rishi. Uh, tweeted internal Twitter data that showed when the frequency of tweets about video games spiked throughout the past three months. Although the information provided by Chata doesn't give any exact figures, it shows that there were four clear discussion peaks between January 1st and March 31st this year. These were on the days that Microsoft announced it was acquiring Activision Blizzard, Sony announcing it was acquiring Bungie, Elden Ring was released, and Fortnite's new season started. Okay. Okay, so that's a lot. First off, uh, I don't listen to the official PlayStation podcast because it's marketing. But um, not not any offense to anybody there. I bet you're all very nice and very su- sweet individuals. But, you know, I see through the guys. <laughs> um, but to have Jim Ryan there, which is a very rare appearance, telling directly the PlayStation audience, there is more coming. We're not done. That's a sign, y'all. Yeah. When you see right here, right now, and I want to make this a point. The Bungie acquisition saw more social media traction than the Microsoft acquisition deal. That's honestly huge. I thought Microsoft Activision Blizzard would be much bigger social media wise. When PlayStation talks, people listen. When PlayStation talks, people you know, or even the murmurs of PlayStation talking, people move stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we we often forget. It's not like the stroke the ego of PlayStation. We often forget the actuality of brand strength and brand size on social media when we're all in our echo chambers. And this is just a a, a nice illustration of that. Going, yeah, no way did I think that was going to be the case, but it looks like it is. And With that said, in comes Deviation Games, and this comes from PlayStation Lifestyle. Uh, Deviation Games, a AAA studio co-founded by Call of Duty veterans Jason Brundle and David Anthony, uh, unveiled its new office decor, and it practically screams next PlayStation Studios acquisition. The images of the 14,000-square-foot Santa Monica, California facility was first shared by Twitter user Shinobi, which flaunt the DualSense controllers on the wall, a little unusual for an independent third-party studio. A year ago, Sony and Deviation Games announced a partnership to develop an original AAA IP. Both companies have kept a tightly a tightly under wraps, but the rumor has it that it will be a world-class first-person shooter that is planned to be supported for years, if not generations. This checks out with Sony's live service ambitions as well as Deviation Games' expertise. The studio employs developers from not just Treyarch, but also Respawn, and if rumors are to be believed, we'll have the first information about the mystery game within the year. Uh, remember two weeks ago when I said deviation's probably next? It's like y'all should listen to me when I talk. I have no insider information, but you know what I do have? Confidence, gusto, and when I speak <laughs> on it, things happen. Mm-hmm. Kyle, more acquisitions are coming. Yeah. Deviation Games puts out this picture. Look at all this dual sense shit on yeah. there. I was like, if they're not a PlayStation studio soon. Yeah. They're going to have to remodel very quickly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, 
honest to God, Kyle. That's a lot of dual sense things on the wall there. Hand on the holy family Shuhei Yoshida Bible. When I saw that, I'm like, if every like, I'm just a, I'm just waiting for the we've joined the PlayStation family like yeah. tweet. Yeah. Come on, exactly. we know it now. We know mm-hmm. it now. That being said, Kyle, I, I'll be honest. This is this is the acquisition I want. Is it really? Yes. This yeah, is how so? Why? We are you are buying the talent. You're not oh, buying sure. the IP. You're sure, not buying yeah. the legacy. You are literally saying, We believe in you so much. Here is all the money to keep you here mm-hmm. working with us. We believe in what you're doing. We believe in your project so much. Here's all the money. Go ahead and make your, your dream game. That's and that what, follows the same logic as Haven. Exactly. Yeah. And then what will probably be Firewalk in a few weeks afterwards as well. Sure. Yeah. And you know, we we joke about the organic growth, but isn't this not organic growth? Yeah. You're literally funding these studios. You're investing in them. You're seeing how the project's going, and then you make the deal. And then you grow them even further. Mm-hmm. That is way... That's that's awesome to me. Yeah. This is what I want. Same. I don't know. Is, is this what you would want? Like, if, if they come out, they go, oh, Deviation Games, this is it. It wasn't Square after all. This, it's this. Yeah, I'd be okay with it. Okay. Yeah, it's I to me it's still even with Haven, like we saw artwork. Yeah. I haven't seen anything from this. Right. Yeah, I get that. So I'm 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 still and also just the fact that it doesn't seem like my kind of game. Sure. So it, it's a little underwhelming for me, but it's still exciting. Yeah. It, it's PlayStation's clearly looking ahead and seeing how they can make their library better. And and how can I not be happy about that? Yeah. And if you have Haven, you have deviation, you have Firewalk. Yeah. And and then also fire Sprite making you these, you know, um, games of service games or live service games. Well, then we don't have to necessarily throw naughty dog resources at it. We don't exactly. have to necessarily yeah. do that, but they probably are. And that's probably sure. fine by me. But like, if, if, I don't want Naughty Dog to turn into just a multiplayer studio is what I'm trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, absolutely. And so Same. if this kind of alleviates those other studios, go ahead. By all means, this is great. And I think, to me, I really am in the camp, and I guess I am so alone here. It's just like, just build studios. Don't buy publishers. Like, you know, we're going to talk about one in a minute, but, like, they're definitely going to, and the sad thing is they're definitely going to buy one. We just don't know which one yet. Mm-hmm. We all have ideas. I think all roads lead to Square Enix, but like, we all have fantasies of grandeur. And even then, I'm like, I don't want Square Enix. It, it just, I would much rather get studios like Remedy on our team. Yeah, that, for know? sure. That's mm-hmm. just me. I don't know. Anything else you'd like to add on this, good sir? No, it's just I feel like all of this is leading to what could be a pretty stellar PlayStation showcase in the summer. Or maybe even May. I don't know. Like I, I, I know nothing. But like it's I, gonna I f- be May. I feel like it's leading to something <laughs> that's going to be so exciting. Yeah, and definitely if like the rumored like PlayStation VR showcase is in mm-hmm. actually in a few weeks or in May or whatever, I'm excited to see more of that. I'm ex- excited to see the tech and the games behind that as well. Give it its mm-hmm. own state of play. That'd be great. And yeah, I just again I want to see studios. I want to see you buying into the culture. And buying into the people, you know? Yeah. That's all. Yeah. 
You know what I don't want to buy into though, Kyle? Ooh, non-fungible tokens? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get the fungi out of here with that. Take it away, good sir. Chris Scullion over at VGC writes, Ubisoft says more of its games will be getting NFTs despite the initial backlash. Billed by Ubisoft's Ubisoft as, quote, the first platform for playable and energy-efficient NFTs in AAA games, end quote. Quartz was originally revealed in December 2021 and was quickly met with overwhelming backlash by players. Despite this, a statement on the Ubisoft Quartz website tells players that the publisher will continue to add digits, its equivalent of NFTs, to future games. Ghost Recon Breakpoint was the first game to get digits, and the statement claims that even though it won't be getting any more, there will be more games in the future that support them. Quote, thank you to all Ghost Recon Breakpoint players who claim their first digits, the statement reads. You own a piece of the game and have left your mark in its history. As the last digit for Ghost Recon Breakpoint was released on March 17th, 2022, stay tuned for more updates with features to the platform and future drops coming with other games, unquote. Ubisoft was one of the first publishers, and certainly one of the largest, to declare that it would be implementing NFTs in its games and continues to press ahead with those plans despite widespread criticism. So Breakpoint isn't being supported anymore. They're stopped selling the, the, the digits on the store. It's just there. You own a little piece of it. I have a digit I would love to show Ubisoft right now. <laughs> yeah. Two of them, actually. <laughs> Insane. Insane. It's, it's so... I don't... Oh, my God. It just... How can you not see what a sh- scam this is? Yeah. like, <laughs> I don't love that. They're like, congratulations. You own a little hey. piece of it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> It's just like, just next time, add like the the dot 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 suckers to it. Exactly, <laughs> it would read so much better. Yeah, I, like I, I, I feel, uh, I feel like I would not be shocked if, like, in a week they go, oh, and by the way, we're shutting the servers down. Yeah, yeah, and, what, <laughs> and they're gone. And real talk, you know, that, that day will happen. What's going to exactly. happen to your fancy little digit? Oh, you're they're go, gone. You go own it in your little crypto wallet. It doesn't make any sense. Makes I'm sorry. Sense. If you're a crypto bro, God bless you. Um, but I don't think, like, in, in real talk, I think NFTs are the future. It's not this shit. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I do think it's, like, actual, like, um, like a deed to a house or a car or, you know, license, whatever. Like, that's what I think is actually fungible that I'd like. <laughs> but sure. it's it's not like you've owned this little helmet with a, a digit on it. Um, yeah. This really does show that this... This type of market is is not sustainable. And you're even seeing, like I was talking to a few folks the other day, like how many people have just dropped NFT? You don't hear about them anymore. Yeah. Everybody gave up. Everybody mm-hmm. gave up the chase. Except like the five people that are friends with my brother. <laughs> They're still in it. <laughs> they still have hope. But yeah, I just thought the story was too. It was, it's wild. Wild. All right. Next one on the list, Kyle. It's an exciting one. It's exciting. Matt Kim over at IGN writes, new Tomb Raider game developed on Unreal Engine 5 announced. Crystal Dynamics has announced a new Tomb Raider game and revealed that it will be built using Unreal Engine 5. Announce, announcing the game during the State of Unreal 2022, Crystal Dynamics 
uh, Tomb Raider franchise general manager, Dallas Dickinson. What a great name. What a great name. Promised a, quote, high-quality cinematic action-adventure experience and showed no gameplay or images, but didn't reveal a release window or title. Dickinson said the team is looking to, quote, push the envelope of fidelity, end quote. And is looking to create an experience fans fans deserve from Crystal Dynamics and Tomb Raider as a series. Crystal Dynamics becomes the lo- latest major developer to move its next project to Unreal Engine 5. Other developers include The Coalition and CD Projekt Red, which has already announced that the next Witcher game will be developed using Unreal Engine 5. Ooh-wee. Uh, Ooh-wee. Wow, that, that little gear snippet. That little gear snippet looks real good. I didn't uh, see the snippet. I saw screenshots of it. Oh man, look like the little, like widows, whatever they call it, like on the eyes. Like you see the wrinkles. It, I mean, we insane. were impressed by what the Unreal thing last year. Yeah, I can only imagine another year of tinkering with it. Exactly, and, and what games are going to look like in three, four, yeah. or five years with this engine? Exactly, it's, it's going to be nuts. It really is. This is it's it's re- it's real impressive stuff. I would I would really love to know why. Why developers use the engines that they use? Yeah. You know, like, why not seeing the promise of what Unreal has and, and be like, hey, let, let's use that. I get it if you make your own in-house, like Naughty Dog has their own thing and right. everybody, but, like, why why do some games use it and some games don't, you know? You know what I don't understand? Why people in this house want to just slam doors instead of just closing them. <laughs> That just sounds a little nuts to me. No, I the, the part of the reason is is certain games do things or sorry, certain engines do things better, and sure. some games are like so. For example, the Horizon engine is really good at making open worlds and making good games look real pretty. Yeah, but, Decima. Yeah, yeah, Decima. But like, it probably can't or isn't as versatile as what Unreal is, and I think that's what the benefit of Unreal is: is, is it's incredibly versatile and easy to to pick up. Whereas, yeah. like games like the um, was it the Snow? Dr- uh, no, no, no. I'm Frostbite thinking of like, engine. yeah, I was thinking of Havoc as well as another yeah. one that I know of. Frostbite is about beautiful visuals, but usually in a first person perspective, like it was made with, uh, you know. Dice in mind, Dice literally made it. And that's why like games like uh, Anthem struggled so hard because they had to put RPG elements into an engine that just n- it never existed before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just there's just some engines that do things better than others. And that's like a five-year-old <laughs> explanation yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that said, Awesome Dave writes in, do you think Crystal Dynamics is going back to Tomb Raider that Square Enix realizes that they should have had the teamwork on what they know instead of something new. Did Square realize that Crystal Dynamics can create a, oh my God, come on, awesome, Dave. You know what? I'll allow it. A banger Tomb Raider game instead of a disappointing live service game. I think they put them on Tomb Raider because of the disappointing live service game. Sure. I also just, I never thought that Crystal Dynamics was done with Tomb Raider to begin with. Yeah, I think that was always going to be their thing. Yeah. But, like, this is a, just like, listen, we're going to put you on what you know. We did, we, this was such a, you know, a I did. Show. I did notice a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but some people will be like, well, what does this mean for Marvel's Avengers? And, like, not much. They not just much. announced a lot of changes. They, they're, they're still going to support it and work on yeah. it. It just... Crystal Dynamics is a huge team. Yeah. They have multiple teams. So, like, 
It makes sense. Yeah, and they, this that team's there probably to support Avengers for its lifespan. I don't think there's going to be an Avengers two, and I think there's going to be small to you know medium like heroes after this. I think it goes away after that. You know, uh, after that contracts up. So sure. that's what I'm thinking. Uh, Kyle, Joe, Captain Logan writes in. How much do you think Crystal Dynamics? Sorry. How much of Crystal Dynamics, this is actually goes into the question you just had, uh, how much of Crystal Dynamics do you think is going to be working on Perfect Dark versus Tomb Raider, and I'll add in, versus uh, Marvel's Avengers? That is a great question. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I think Avengers has the smallest team. I think it's a team of a few dozen at this point, if I were to guess. Um, and they're again working on all the, you know, cosmetics and the next heroes or whatever. But I don't think they're making the next Avengers game. I think it flops so hard that I don't think either party probably want to continue that. Um, I think a good portion of that team is working on Perfect Dark, mm-hmm. and I think either Team A or Team B is working on Tomb Raider. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. What um, do you think? I'm, I'm just looking up, like, how many studios actually have, uh, or different teams. Oh, different teams? teams. Um, there's Northwest, there's Southwest. Yeah. And Southwest just opened last year, and that is headed by Dallas Dickinson. So I think that new studio is, is strictly just on Tomb Raider, and then the previous one Northwest is probably split between Avengers and perfect dark. Yeah. That makes sense. Also Rick, the Welsh one writes in goes with the days gone. uh, Director Jeff Ross has joined uh, Tomb Raider devs uh, over at crystal dynamics. Mm -hmm. Would you rather he make a Tomb Raider or days gone Two? I know they are making Tomb Raider, but hot take put days gone Two into my face, please. (laughs) That is a hot take. It's awesome that Jeff Ross is there. Um, be real weird. <laughs> Let's just say if if Square gets acquired by Sony oh. and he's like he's like I left this company just to rejoin it again. <laughs> that would be nuts. Uh, but I thought there was a question here. Is this like what happens? First off, what what is happening to Perfect Dark? I think that's getting made by Square. I'm yeah. sorry, um, you know Crystal. But like, what happens if PlayStation does? Let's just say acquire this. This is the publisher that they acquire what happens to to perfect dark what do you I, think I, Kyle? i i still think it, it it's a uh it's like a death loop situation and ghostwire situation mm. they'll, they'll honor that and then it, it will i don't think perfect dark would ever show up on a playstation console mm. i just think that they would allow them to continue to make it for xbox yeah uh, and the one that comes out, then that's it. Mm. All right. Fair enough. And yeah. also, real talk, I hiccuped. <laughs> I was wondering what was going on. Yeah, yeah. I'm dying. Uh, Toxic writes in, and this actually goes along with the theory I was having. Hey, guys. Curious if you think the new Tomb Raider game ends up being exclusive to either console. It's just a little sus that the announcement didn't include language of coming to current slash next-gen consoles. I know if 
the in the past, uh, Xbox had promoted promoted deals to prior Tomb Raider games, but I wonder if this may be Sony or, or PlayStation exclusive. If SE does end up being purchased in the future, we'll love to hear your theories. Yeah. Um. So to me, I would think that like Tomb Raider not being an exclusive anymore, or sorry, being an exclusive. I think is the reason why it hurt X or, or, or hurt that franchise was when the rise of yeah. the Tomb Raider was exclusive for a year on Xbox. Mm-hmm. When it came out a year later for PlayStation, I was super excited to play it. But like the marketing wasn't I, there for it. Well, it wasn't even just that. But I when I saw that it'd be on a, uh, a console that I didn't have at the time. Right. And I would have to wait a full year by the time it came out on PlayStation. I was already playing other things, and then it took me another two years to finally play that game. That being said, if uh, if uh, Square Enix does end up being the publisher that gets bought by mm-hmm. PlayStation, um, chances are that would be exclusive, and I don't think it would hurt it in that respect because, to me, you're setting the boundaries and expectations with the first game, right? So, to me, like the reason why it hurt the the franchise last time was you literally made a, a, a sequel, a timed exclusive. And yeah. I think it hurt the momentum of that game. So that when the third one came out, just didn't have the punch. Whereas if this game does come out and you're right, I want everybody to look at what toxic said. The announcement's a little sus. The announcement did not come with any next gen since or, or current gen consoles. It is a little sus. Mm-hmm. especially when we're, we're going to talk about how God is real with the remedy announcement. They talk about what consoles you can expect on it. Yeah. Um, just putting it out there. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, I think if the first game is exclusive, it, it kind of sets that boundary. It sets yeah. that tone. Um, that's, that's kind of how I'm feeling. I also think they didn't say anything because the studio was just made. Don't dampen year. my hype. I'm saying with I'm confidence trying, Augusta. Listen, you all the time say, listen, we need to level our hype and bring down the hype. I don't like hype. You're right. So I'm trying to I'm trying to be the little level-headed one here. Okay, fine. Fair enough. I'm saying. I think that, <laughs> that team is still too new. Sure. And that, that game is way far out. Uh, we'll probably see it. We'll probably see it in three years' time. Right. Or maybe even two. I don't know. But we won't get to play it until 2025. 20, right. Being very Something conservative with our guests. Yeah. 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 Okay, fair enough. Jeez Louise, what a buzzkill. Am I right, you guys? Katie writes in just like you can too if you go over to uh, the Trophy Room Discord server or you go on over to the Casa Day PS Trophy Room Twitter at PS Trophy Room. <laughs> the old bit is in my head still. Hey guys. We're getting a new Tomb Raider game. Do you think this will be a loose continuation of the reboot story, or do you think this will be something completely new? Also, with a open world becoming more prevalent as years go on, would you like there to be an open world aspect to this game? They kind of did with the last one. Well, I'm going to tie this into okay, a question you, you skipped over. Oh, so sorry. Nunez oh my God, I'm so sorry. In some ways, uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider was laughed in quality and gameplay by competitors and didn't feel like a swan song for a trilogy. Mm. Fans will be looking for a God of War-like reboot for this series. What does that look like for Crystal Dynamics and the Tomb Raider franchise? So what is this new game going to Is Yeah, is it going to be a continuation? Is it going to be a start of a new trilogy? Is it going to be something completely different? I want to I, I, I want to say like a little bit of column A, column B. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I wouldn't mind if this is kind of like a 2018 God of War situation where it's like years afterwards and we're following a similar Laura. Maybe that voice actress or actress is back. Camilla Camilla Luddington, I think it is. And maybe she's back in the role or maybe she's not, but you know, understand time lapses. You're not into the role anymore, whatever. Uh Um, But you're following that similar Laura. But I would like it to be. I would like this game to choose what it is because I did not like the hub worlds in like, uh, you know, Rise of the Tomb Raider and stuff like that. Mm. Where you had these little like larger areas, either commit to linear or give me an open world game or give me neither. I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase what I was what I'm going to say next. Speak from the heart. Do you not like the open world stuff in Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy? Um, I think those are done a lot better. If I'm honest, okay, that's fair. I, like, I, I'm not in love with Madagascar, but okay. what they did with Lost Legacy, I absolutely loved. That's fair. Where that's you fair. had this huge one big hub that everything connects you, kind of like an ocarina. Uh-huh. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, I I really dig what the reboot did. Mm-hmm. I I loved the first one. When I played the second one, I, I loved it. The third one didn't grab me. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just kind of tired of the Tomb Raider game and the formula there. Um, but I am I am generally excited to, to to play a new one. I don't think I want like a gritty reboot. Reboot again, like another reboot. I don't want. No. I, I I think just a brand new story. Maybe yeah, an older Lara. Um, you know, maybe she's got an apprentice. I know that's kind of a tired trope, but mm-hmm. like. The next version of the Tomb Raider she's teaching. I don't know. It, it would be, it'd be kind of interesting. We have passed on the Tomb Raiding from generation yes. to generation. Yeah, yeah. Here's I'm your interested. climbing pickaxe. It is yours now. <laughs> Come here, girl. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this is exciting. I am, I, I, I am excited for this. Cause I'm I'm missing more games like Uncharted to to come out. Like I I love those. And games, so. and that's a it's a weird thing too. Like if. Square Enix is being bought by PlayStation. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Tomb Raider and possibly Uncharted under the same roof. That's a lot of adventure Indiana Jones-like things. Come here. Come here. You yeah, leave right yeah. here for a second. Uh-huh. Crossover. Ooh. Crossover game. Just to give it a try. Just, Just dip a your bit. toe. Nathan meets Lara. It, cool. I get it. Different art styles, whatever. This is just a one-off DLC. Even I'll take. Yeah. How dope yeah. would that be? That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Or, or, oh, oh, here we go. Here, okay. let's just spitballing here. Didn't play this game. Okay. Like the premise of it, though. All right, I'm in. What if it's like a way out? Oh. Where you, one of you are Nathan Drake, one of you is Lara, and you are racing to get to the treasure and be the first one to get it. And you're on opposite sides of the island and whatever, and just like, what if there's hundreds of Lars and hundreds of Nathans and they fall into it? Oh my god! Oh man! <laughs> They're already in it. It's in Fortnite. They're both in Fortnite too. Um, no, that'd be cool. That that'd be really cool. This is like a dream yeah. game. All right, that's it, Kyle. It's time. And listen, this one's just for me. Oh, what? It's, I didn't see the title of this segment until right now. It's sometimes there is. Sometimes exceptions. there's exceptions when there's a fire fire. You got to break the glass. And let me tell you something. There is a fire in this building, not your building. You're fine. You're fine. You're in fine. your desk. You're fine. Well, maybe you're not just smell, you know, look for gas or whatever. You're fine. 
stinger alert. <laughs> How did he? I knew it. I knew it. That was not planned, everybody. That's perfect. Remedy is remaking Max Payne 1 and 2 with Rockstar for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox. That. And this isn't a fucking drill. <laughs> and I'm using the cuss. I'm so sorry. I usually don't, but it really is warranted. And my finger wasn't on the, the, the cuss button. Anyway, this is official from the Remedy uh, investor call thing. Remedy Entertainment, the creators of Max Payne, are pleased to announce that they will rem- remake the iconic Max Payne 1 and 2, the fall of Max Payne video games, in a new development agreement with Rockstar Games. Quote, we are thrilled when our lifelong friends at Remedy approached us about remaking the original Max Payne games, said Sam Hauser, the founder of Rockstar Games. We are massive fans of the work that Remedy team has created over the years, and we can't wait to play these new versions. Max Payne has always held a special place in the hearts of everyone at Remedy, and we know the millions of fans worldwide feel the same. You goddamn right, said Remedy CEO Taro Vitala. We're hugely excited to be working with our partners over at Rockstar Games once again for a chance to bring the story, action, and atmosphere of the original Max Payne games to uh, two players in new ways. Under the development agreement signed today, Remedy will develop the games as single title for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S. Using its proprietary Northlight uh, game engine. The game's development budget will be financed by Rockstar Games, not Take Two, which is strange, but whatever. The size of which will be in line with typical Remedy AAA game production. Oh, shoot. Okay. And under the agreement, Remedy has the royalty opportunity after Rockstar Games has recouped its development, meaning they'll get their money once Rockstar gets its investment back. Uh, marketing and other costs distributed by publishing the game. The project is currently in the concept development stage. We ain't going to see this game for a long time, but God damn when we do, Kyle. Oh, oh, I'm so in. What does this do for you? Because I know you're, you're a remedy stand now. Does it do anything? I am now because of control. Yeah. Uh, I, I control is my first remedy game. Um, so I haven't played any of the Max Paynes. Um, I, I know how cool they were of like the slow motion dodging and shooting and whatnot. So. I, I am excited, and it, I do know. I think what Sam Lake is the the face of Max Payne in the yep. games, yep. who is the head of Remedy, um, which is super cool. Yeah, I love this. I love them bringing new new life into old games. And didn't Rockstar do Max Payne three? Yes, they did. But it's my least favorite one. <laughs> sure. So, like, okay, so th- these games I love so much. I would sit right next to my brother, watch him play it, because as a kid, I wasn't allowed to play anything M rated. And my brother would always have is this is a typical older brother excuse. You can't play it, it'll give you nightmares. Mm. Now, rightfully so, because those nightmare sequences did give me nightmares, but <laughs> they are absolutely awesome. So, I am so excited that for the first time, my 30 year old self. <laughs> We'll finally start playing Max Payne, like for realsies one and two. I'm just, I'm, I'm just so excited for it, man. I am though. I gotta be real. I'm nervous. Why? Remedy has a lot of projects they're working on now. And you know, 
was it something Control Crossfire two. X? Mm-hmm. Well, that's done. They're part of that stuff. Yeah, but right? I'm just it, saying that 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 was a bad game. Yeah, yeah, sure. But like they, they controlled two Alan Wake two. This now there's another control thing they're working on. Like mm-hmm. they got a lot of things in early development. I feel like, and it's gonna be a while. I think like some of those titles, like I think I don't know about the control multiplayer to be honest. Sure. But like the you know the Crossfire X thing is is stuff you do because you need the money type of deal, mm-hmm. and I think there are projects you do because you love it and you know it's gonna print a shit ton of cash. And I think uh, Rockstar knows that when they bought this game, they made Max Payne three. Though it's a cult classic to so many, um, it probably didn't hit the way that they wanted to, it to. So what better way than to go back to the source, going hey. You come back, you you make these two games and see what happens. So I think this is like more kind of sure money for Remedy. Like, I don't think these are going to be. Well, I don't know. Do you think that, like this is going to be like a Resident Evil like remake? I would hope so. It's not yeah. a remaster. It's a full on remake. Yeah, you're right. You know what? Let's let's do yeah. it. I, I think this is uh, going to be big for them, man. Interesting to note, I was on the Remedy it. Games website. Go for it. The, and under games, they have a thing called Vanguard, which I didn't hear. I, yes, I don't it's know. a project. Yeah. Yeah. So is this a different other project that they're also working on? You know what? You are right. They are working on a lot. Like they're they also on got All Awake. Yeah. But listen, give me more of this, man. <laughs> oh, no. It's yeah. still exciting. I'm just like, I, I don't want them to turn into. Uh, like a, a telltale thing where there's too many things going on at one time. That is a that is a great concern to have, um, for sure. And I'm just trying to see what their how many employees that do they have um here. So let me just see. Type in employee. Uh oh. Under Google search it says employee login. Remedy, you might want to fix that, <laughs> bud. Uh size. Let's see. Currently, they and, don't tell and, me. <laughs> and they also, um, yeah, they they have a deal with Epic as yes. well, right? Yeah, they're also they're be like par- partnered up, partnering up. So we're assuming like that Alan Wake game is an Epic joint. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're definitely getting a lot of funding to make all this stuff happening, which is great. No problem here. Oh yeah, I hope they have the manpower to to get it all done. I have faith, sir. Confidence and gusto. Confidence, gusto. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm so excited. This is actually like the get hyped episode for me. I feel like all the news that yeah. I want is here. Uh, flash news. Gotta go fast. Gotta run. Gotta run. Gotta run fast. Only one bit of flash news this week. Horizon Forbidden West quietly added the toggle of turn off pickup animations. For the love of God, why was this in the game in the first place? Girl. <laughs> this sucked. This really, it started really waiting after like hour 10, 20. Thank God this is out because I think this follows in the Ghost of Tsushima legend. Uh, sorry, Ghost of Tsushima footsteps. Where you know I was talking, Katie was streaming today, and she she goes, "What open world do you like?" Because I said how I don't like Red Dead Two that much. Because I said it forgets to be a game. You know, I get off my horse, I forget my long gun. Like it's it's a little mm-hmm. bit much. Where to me, Ghost of Tsushima is still one of my favorite open world games of all time because it's immersive and it's beautiful, but it also doesn't forget it's a game. So, like, I'll run over, like, a twig and I'll grab it and it's mine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have any animation, it's just instant. Um, but then there, it's just so true to its, you know, to the culture it's trying to represent. At least it gives off that feeling to me uh, that you feel immersed in that game. So Sure. 
So it should have been there in the beginning. And I feel like, Kyle, for you, this is going to be, I feel like you're getting at the, the premiere uh, Horizon experience because you waited, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I'm halfway through. I, fl- I think I'm halfway through. I don't know. Oh, it's going to get crazy. I can't wait. It's going to get, we need to do I'm, our own spoiler cl- cast once you beat it. Cause yeah. I'm telling you, this game gets nuts. I can't wait. I'm very excited to, to go back to it. Yeah. Like that. Well, I, I we'll get to it later, but like I was holding off on finishing it until I finished Elden Ring. Yeah. And the entire time I was playing Elden Ring, it's like, man, I feel bad because I'm not playing Horizon. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That said, Kyle, uh, before we hold on to something, it's yeah. time for a little segment called What You've Been Playing. And yeah. that said, let's start off with our Moss review. Of course, a key given to by the good fo- folks over at Polyarc. And with all that said, with all that out of the way, let's be joined. Or sorry, let's have Nate join us from Press YYZ to hey. give his thoughts. Well, join with me today, our good friend Nate from Press YYZ and friend of the show. Nate, how are you doing? I'm uh, doing excellent today. Thank you. I thought like a nice little chain of consciousness while I introduced you in would be a great way to get my head in the game. And I, it worked out really well. People nice. behind the show, you know, the audience, they don't know what just happened, but I do. We do. It's our secret. So, Nate, welcome aboard. If people don't know you, real fast, before we talk about Moss 2, a quick little elevator pitch. Who are you and what is Press YYZ? Oh, God. Um, so, hi, my name is Nathan. Uh, I've so I've been reviewing games for like 10 years for PS4 blog.net. I'm actually wrapping that up. Uh, it's just been so long now, but about two years ago, we created uh, a few friends and us. I uh, met at EGLX uh, at a kind of funny meet and we decided to create a podcast called press YYZ. And that's what we have today. So, and we shoot it, uh, we record every Wednesday night. Um, and essentially we just have fun. We talk about like something current in video games and we try to play a fun game whether it's nice. like and we we do some insane stuff sometimes sometimes it's really weird yeah. um i saw last night you were building a lego i think if I'm not so mistaken. that was sunday night um <laughs> i've been uh so i've been breaking i just said i was winding down my reviewing but yeah. i've been trying to increase my twitch streaming i'm twitching uh twitch streaming four nights a week now nice. and on sunday nights i build lego so and i got a lego can set up for it um so i've been having a lot of fun with that uh on thursday nights i've been playing lego dimensions um and then the other nights uh my dog joins me on pup cam Uh, (sighs) i just got a new puppy um so she joined hazel joins me on pup cam and i play video games and we have hazel off on the screen i'm actually Almost Already done. the best Forza- Twitch streamer right there, Nate. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to finish up Forza Horizon 4's achievements. There's yeah. 3,610 achievement score for it, and I'm three achievements away from getting everything. So Ooh. I've been doing that on stream. There you go. So join them there as well. Twitch.tv yeah. slash press YYZ, I'm going to assume as well. Uh, the NMAC. There you go. Yeah. Ah, uh, the, the underscore NMAC. Know. Yeah, You'll yeah. Know. Look in the description. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Well, listen, we're here to talk about Moss 2 for the PlayStation VR. This seems like it's one of the swan songs for the hardware. And uh, what a what a what a game to really kind of carry this thing on its way, because this was one of the showcase games for the PlayStation VR, the original. So that said, I want to first talk about the story 
of Moss. For those of you who don't know, the way Moss is told is through a storybook, through a narrator, like someone sitting down telling you a tale. And um, yeah, you follow a little mouse called Quill on her journey. So let me let me ask you, Nate, how did the story resonate with you? So let me just start off by just saying Quill is a badass. Yes, she is. I'm not often going to refer to mouses as badasses, but she's a very strong, good character. Um, and what I think really sets this apart from other games is the fact that you're a character, you're the reader in these games. So, mm-hmm. and as a character, you build a relationship, you talk to each other. She like, she talks to you. Um, you high five her when you do like, when you do things that are good. Um, it's just like, you build this relationship with Quill. And at the same time, you're like, she's this timid mouse, especially where she came from in Moss one, just starting at, uh, God, it's been a while since I've played the first Moss, but she just starts off in like a little town and goes to like, save her uncle, like save her uncle. Um, meanwhile, now she's, this is probably, I think this immediately takes place after the last game finishes. Mm. So you're still at the wreckage of where, sorry, spoilers for Moss, the first one at where you fight that mechanical snake thing. Um, and where, right where that body is. And then you're going to find your uncle. Um, and that's kind of how the game picks up and starts going. Okay. So it's kind of, it, it sounds like Moss one is a new hope where this one kind of feels like empire in a sense of she already got the lightsaber. She has the experience and you're along with her on the journey. How does the story play out for you? Just, you know, broad strokes, of course, no spoilers, but how did you like it? How did you enjoy it? Of course, it's a game that is like, what, I believe E for everyone. So, you know, see if all Um, the kids and whatnot. Yeah. So the story is really good, um, actually. And they make a few choices um, without spoiling that I thought were really, really cool. Mm. And I don't want to say because like there's some stuff I didn't see coming. Okay. Um, uh, and I was like, oh, wow. At one point, my son's like, did you do something wrong? Did you like skip something, dad? Because it was just this complete change of pace in the story. Wow. And I was, oh, wow. I was like, wow. I didn't know it would do that. Um, hmm. So... Uh, it is what you expect. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, you're saving the world. And that's like the whole point is to reunite um, just a, like a broad yeah. source is you got to reunite these five pieces of glass um, that in each realm has a like a piece. And so you're kind of going to the realms trying to find them all and okay. c- capture them, bring them together to try and stop what's ever destroying the world. Nice. So, um, yeah. And so, yeah, um, it, it really is interesting. I think the narration, I think that's a lot of what really sets this apart too. Cause I didn't click into me when I played the first Moss, it was this Moss that it clicked in where it's being narrated and being told by your narrator. And it like, it's a storybook cause you're reading through the book yeah. as you're playing. Um, and it's constantly taking you in and out of the book, um, as you play, but the narrator is doing all the voices for all the characters too. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's not different actors. She's doing all the voices. Like I would read a story time book to my kids when I do yeah. the voices for my kids. That's what I love so much about Moss one is like, yeah, her range, the narrator's range is just so just wide. She's so talented. And yeah, I love the way that the story is told through Moss. It's just something special. Cause it does kind of transport you back as like, you're a kid, you know, you know, a cross leg sitting and, and you're being told a story like back in the day. It just, it's good feelings. That mm-hmm. said, um, 
because it's told like a storybook, it's also, you know, when I was talking to the devs, they're like, it's really like we're playing a, we're setting a play up for you guys. Right. So every scene, every stage, every environment is set up in a way that it's kind of layered like a, a, a chessboard. And the one thing that was so awesome about Moss One was this is not a you know VR game where you're using, you know, the move controllers. You're using your dual shock and you're actually could sit in place and you could actually just look around and you find little knickknacks and little things and little puzzles to solve or hidden passages to go through with Quill that made it so so different from so many VR games that try to be so gimmicky. And what I try to get at here is how do they expand that way of thinking or that way of design in, in Moss 2? So Moss 2, and I think it blew me away when you walk into the first area with the castle because you get these like big, wide open room. And because um, with the original Moss, you had more enclosed pieces. Yeah. That were together. What they've managed to do is, well, your view will change. They have these much bigger rooms that you can go into now, and they have a much bigger sense of grandeur. Mm. Um, and I was just taking screenshots. Screenshots don't work out as well, and video doesn't work out as well in VR. You don't get what you're seeing necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I was like, wow, I'm looking up at the moons, or like I was in a completely forested area, and you could see where you were headed to. Um, mm. So you got that big scale. But then at the same time, too, you talked about like, really like looking around and trying to see things in the levels um, there's hidden scrolls and they were in the first Moss game, but they do a good job. If you don't move your head a certain way of it just being out of view and you not being able to see it. Yeah. So, um, and they've really upped the level design, including some of the platforming uh, this time, because really you got to look at the platforming um, to get through. It's really a puzzle platform where that's what Moss comes down to. There's some combat yeah. areas and the combat's cool. Um, but at the core of it, it's a puzzle platform. We're trying to figure out, okay, how do I get from this space to this space? Yeah. And so it seems like it, it is just more of what you love for Moss one in terms of the puzzle platforming, but evolved in the sense where the rooms and the scale of those rooms are much larger. Is that correct? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, one of the other major changes that I thought really did well to it too, although I would have changed one implementation of it was they added, uh, two new weapons. And I'll actually just say hard edit, Zencaster crashed. So back at it, Nate, talking about you having two extra weapons. Now you have a boomerang, a disc, yeah. So you got a boomerang disc and you got a giant hammer mm. and they change combat quite a bit when you're using them. Um, it's not just up close and quarter combat or it's like the hammer's a much more slow moving weapon, uh, but it does a lot more damage where the disc does less damage, but it's quite a bit more mobile. Um, that tended to be my more favorite one. And you actually use those in your puzzle solving as you continue to play the game. Nice. So it's a really, uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Zelda, like gave me Zelda vibes. Nice. Like you get this new weapon and now you can take it and like try and um, get to different areas that you couldn't get to before. Ah, that's awesome. That, that, yeah, I was, I was curious of how the combat has evolved, but you said it's still kind of like simplistic in a way where it's like you have a couple enemies in a room and, you know, dispatch them and then get to the puzzles for the most part. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Like you get these flaming doors. You can't go through until you beat the enemies. Um, you have a quick dodge that you can use. Um, to get around things and then you got your weapons it's not super complicated i will say the boss fights are kind of cool oh nice the boss okay. fights get a little bit cooler and they actually bring you into the fray um because you as you are a, like you're a character as well as a reader 
you have to use your motion, like certain motions while you're in the boss fight. Um, and I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing here? I'm like, oh, wait, there's a spot I can grab here. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. I, I love how that has evolved through Moss 1 is is implementing you and just in VR in general, how it mm -hmm. implements you, the, the player, into the the world so that said the last thing that i want to touch on before we head on out of here is the yeah. score the soundtrack the ambiance how is it it's gorgeous um the sound's really really good yeah. um uh, as i was playing the game and this is a storybook like we've we've talked about that yeah. and i think they really took a look at what made the soundtrack in Moss 1 good and how they could improve it. And it's just really good from ear to ear. Um, I made sure I used the buds when I was playing it from the PSVR. And I don't know why I can't use my Pulse headset while playing it. No, why? Uh, um, yeah. It's PlayStation. Um, just logic. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, weird, <laughs> weird PlayStation decisions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, the soundtrack's really good. It's got a good score. It's, it feels sweeping and epic, um, but like fit for a fantasy Mm. fit for a fantasy um novel um yeah so it's really cool and i'm like really curious to see where they go because i think there's potential for a third one here okay all right a um, third chapter because there's like books and they pull the books as you're reading them and they'll switch between the different books as you're reading it and there's a book after like you've cleared the third one that's got a mouse on it but it doesn't look like quill it looks mm. like a different mouse so i'm wondering if maybe like a lot of what's happened in the world and why it was destroyed was it was um, a character called the Cinder Knight who did it with an evil reader mm. prior to this. And I'm wondering if there's potential for them to do um, like before the Cinder Knight went bad and before maybe you were the reader and went bad. Oh, wow. All and right. like a prequel. All um, right. To that. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah, there is just so much lore in this in this game and to the world itself that it's just it really is a one of the kind, you know, VR title. And it sounds like you really dug uh Moss Book Two. So if you had to, do you recommend it? It is a strong recommend. I know it's it costs thirty nine ninety nine, I believe. So uh, yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. Um uh, if you have a PSVR, play it. Yes. If you don't have a PSVR, because it's only on PSVR, like don't run out and get a PSVR for it. I have a feeling, because um, number one, I was surprised when we saw the announcement a few weeks ago that it was coming to PSVR. I thought for sure this was going to be held for PSVR too. Yeah. Um, um, and this makes me think that there's likely a collection like book one and two that will become to the next PlayStation VR or PlayStation VR two. Yeah. So a hundred percent, it's definite, a definite pickup. I did run into two small technical glitches where the game had frozen up on after doing some uh, where I had to do VR motions and open up doors. Okay. Um, and I had to go back like four or five times and redo the whole sequence of things to get it to find like before I had it finally work. And so hopefully that's going to be patched out uh, bug wise, but overall, yeah, no, I love Moss. I love Moss too. This is a shining example of what VR can do and what it's capable of. And this makes me super excited for PSVR two while we're at it. So yeah. 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 It awesome. That sounds excellent. Everything that you're saying to me, I'm getting super pumped for Moss book, mm -hmm. uh, book two. I am definitely going to find all the gadgets and gizmos and hook my PlayStation VR uh, up to my PlayStation 5 for this. That being said, Nate, uh, Nathan, thank you so much for coming by uh, and dropping some knowledge on us. Uh, before you go, again, go ahead. You know, pimp out, press YYZ for us. 
Yeah, so check out Press YYZ. We record it every Wednesday night. Uh, you, if, you, if you just search Press YYZ, um, uh, it's just a bunch of friends and us. We do a podcast. More importantly, I'm trying oh, to get my God. Twitch channel to grow. Please. So if you want to follow me on the underscore NMAC, I'm brand new to Twitch streaming, only been doing it for a few weeks. I'm just shy of 50 followers, uh, trying to get to that affiliate status. Get so, Nathan to 50. That's all we got to yeah. do. Trophy Room so. community. Nathan's one of the OG community members here. Let's go. Let's go raid his Twitch. You know what? I was going to say, let's pimp out press YYZ. No, no, no. We're going to put Nate's <laughs> Twitch down below in the description. Follow this man. He's good peoples and go follow press YYZ while you're at it. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. That's Thanks that. for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. That said, back to the show. Wow, we wow, we what a game, wow, what an we. experience. Can't wait to play that on my PSVR BB. That said, uh Moss 2 is a great game. But Kyle, I, I want you to I want you to to say it with your chest what you did the other night. Last night? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary friends, I applied them Elden Ring. Ooh wee. <laughs> I made it a a thing when I was like 20, 30 hours into this new character because I abandoned the first one, which I, I realized I didn't have to do mm-hmm. because I, I didn't realize you could respec later in the game. Sure. Um, so I wasted 20 hours. I could have been done with this a long time ago. Very uh, so. Yeah, I, I did it. I, at some point, I was, and I told you this, I think I said it on the show already, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, uh, I was, like, hate playing it. <laughs> Not like I hated playing it, just, yeah. like, the entire time I was playing it, in the back of my mind, I was like, I hate most of this. Why am I still going? Why do I s- still kind of love this game? But in the same way, hate it so much. <laughs> so, like, I... the. The thing I, I despise it, we don't have to harp on it too much. It's no, because I feel like we're too negative on it. No, mm. I just, I, I don't enjoy looking on my phone and saying, where do I go next? <laughs> like, That's I, the experience. Get lost. I don't want to get lost in a game that kicks my ass all the time. Oh, it doesn't do it all the time. It's semi-annual. Uh, listen, it took me four and a half years, uh, years, four and a half hours to take down uh, Millennia. Uh, she's Fair. <laughs> I try fighting her again, Kyle, and I know I yeah. can do it if I just gain like five more levels. Yeah, like I, I like yeah. she's gotten easier. I was just like, okay, I could take, I could take her. I, I was because I I tried for two hours to try to beat Melania, and um, and I was getting frustrated because I'm like, she's not that good. I, this is <laughs> aggravating me. And I was like, is 114 the level too low? And everybody's like, dude, you're supposed to be like 130, 140 at least. Uh-huh. I'm like, really? <laughs> you got to her second phase? Yeah. Okay. Constantly. Right. I would just the, the the furthest I've gone is like she has a fifth of a of a life left. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. You, you you can do it. Yeah, you're way better at these games than I am. Yeah. Uh I want I, I do want to have this opportunity because I know he listens to the show, our friend of me, Luke Lore. Um it took him days to beat Malekith, one of the bosses oh, in Elden Ring. Took me three times. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth fifth time for me. <laughs> Wasn't that bad. You just hide behind a pillar, let him act up, get a hit or two in and run away. Yeah. Yeah. 
I had a really cool summon too that did a lot of damage. Sure, that helps. Also, yeah. if you beat a boss of a summon, you beat the boss. It's in the game. Yeah, it's a mechanic in the in the game. It's Get a over huge yourself. part of Elden Ring. Yeah, a huge part of it. Yeah. How, leave me alone. If you're so proud that you beat a boss without a summon, put it on your resume. All right. Yeah, I do. We dare you. <laughs> Double dog dare you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I platinum. It was an easy platinum. Yeah. It's very straightforward for the most part. Um. Some really cool bosses, optional bosses that uh, that were pretty special. Yeah. Um, a little bummed about the endings. I'll be real with you. Oh, really? I just like. What I. All right. Okay. okay. It just didn't hit me story wise. But other than that, I, I hopped into MLB the show a little bit. Oh. It's everything that I love. It's amazing. The card yeah. art's beautiful and awesome. The new commentary team is is so refreshing yeah. to hear different voices and not hearing the same thing over and over again. At least not yet. I know that will happen eventually. <laughs> it is still a video game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good time. I'm glad it's out. Uh, I picked up the Switch version on Tuesday. Um, so I can play on the same account on both. All right, hey, yeah, it's cross progression. You're right, I'm cross progression. Cra- so I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> There's a method to my madness. You're right. Um, right so you. yeah, I'm excited to see what that port looks like or that version looks like. Oof, I can. I haven't imagine. popped it in yet, but uh, yeah, it's a good yeah. time. Good yes. time to be alive. A lot of cool video games, man. Uh, dude, so I'm drowning in them. So first yeah. and foremost, so. I could say this confidently right here, unless like, honestly, unless God of War comes out this year, Elden Ring is my game of the year. It really isn't close. I do have the same love-hate relationship because like, I feel like for me, Elden Ring is amazing, right? Like it is the best game this year, but to me, it's not the best from software game. Sure. Yeah. And I get shit on by by by, by some of my friends because like it's you have to agree it's perfect. I'm like nah, I like there's my my heart's always gonna be with Bloodborne. It's yeah. my first. I, I, you always remember your first. Yeah. And I do prefer the boss fights in Sekiro a little bit more. Sure. That yeah. said, Elden Ring's level design, Kyle, level design, uh-huh. is unmatched, and I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it because it, it is a masterpiece. I. I it's it's perfect the way that you can explore just even though when it, when the game gets linear like just the multiple routes you can take the like just the discoverability aspect i mean everything in in the open world is perfect other than me wanting a bit of a more of a golden path if i choose to 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 want that in that sure, point yeah. of time mm-hmm. other than that though the game is magnificent i can't wait to then go through my second playthrough sometime in summer and actually dive into the lore portions of the game but every game i play i go i should be playing elden ring even when it comes to uh horizon that's why i wanted to end elden ring yeah. <laughs> i wanted to be done with it because at the back of my mind yeah i'd be like oh what how can i beat this boss a little bit better let me look up a youtube video and it's constantly in the back of my mind yeah. now that it's been platinumed it is free my brain is <laughs> it has a level of clarity that it hasn't seen since february yeah yeah so that said though uh, I do want to just give a quick little shout out. I've played barely any, but it's just so charming. I can't not give it a shout out. Lego Star Wars is a game made by fans of Star Wars. that want to give this game to their kids. Like this is so great. They have all just the little, the little things that, that 
you know they're making this they're they're fans of you know what i mean like you know that these people love star wars they love lego like i was hitting it's like a broken down vehicle that i was hitting and that vehicle was a lego toy that i had when i was eight uh they don't make it and i was just like holy shit this game is something else like, just, are you playing with voice acting, by the way? Yes, with voice acting as well. Which I heard that's the way to do it. Yeah, it's it's not the original, but like, who cares? It's, yeah, no. They they do a, a good enough job. It's it's really a fun time, and and yeah, like the dialogue is really really good as well. Like the jokes hit. They're for all ages. Um, I, I want to know fantastic. how the new engine and everything is. Like, is it like weird playing a Lego game in a different point of view and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So like, you have these hub worlds that feel like. You know, because the thing with Lego games is it always felt like you were playing from an like a, a a helicopter view, like you're looking down, and it was it was just too much, and you get lost in it. For me, honestly, it, it's like you're playing you're you're standing over a Lego set. Yeah, that's what the old ones were like. Where this one does definitely feel more like you're in a world because it's you know over the shoulder, like all those PlayStation games are, and um and yeah, so it just it feels it feels more I guess lived in. Uh, for okay. for just a quick little, you know, you know what that means type of word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but even like the action, it, it feels good. If and, and if you are a kid, this game is gonna be a lot of fun for you. You know, I'm an adult. I'm humble brag. I'm, I'm pretty good at this game. Humble brag. I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah, I can drive a car. You dumb <laughs> torts. <laughs> I can drink beer. You idiots. So like, yeah, it's it's not challenging to me. But the 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 thing of the reason why I stick around is for the charm. This is so, so good. That's awesome to hear. That being said, Kyle, we need to play Tiny Tina's. I know. I know. Shout out to 2K. They gave us a code. I've been playing it. Uh, I'm not the farthest in. It's not like a review by any means, but Kyle, I am thoroughly enjoying myself with this game. Awesome. Um, For all the reasons why I think I didn't like Borderlands 3, like I didn't like the dialogue, I did not like uh-huh. the characters, hated the villains. I, I, whenever time like any media d- does like the social media YouTuber, you know, or TikToker, uh-huh. like I hate that. It's such a stupid gimmick. I don't want to see it. They already annoy me as mu- as much as it yeah. is. Uh, yeah. So this time, I love the characters. Ashley Birch absolutely kills it as Tiny Tina. She's yeah. absolutely hilarious. Andy Samberg is hilarious. He's great. Wanda Sykes yeah, is I was fantastic. Say, Wanda Sykes, how is she? Fantastic, no bullshit robot. And then Will Arnett is, again, Will Arnett, absolutely hysterical. That's and like awesome. there's one time like like early in the game he's just like so how am I doing like being a bad guy is concerned like, am I doing good <laughs> she, he's like should I kill a mentor should I kill like someone close to you like would that make you hate me more like just let me know if I if you hate me enough <laughs> I'm like this is awesome awesome that's really cool and it's more Borderlands three when it comes to the gameplay so like the like instead of grenades though you get spells so you can summon little hydras to eat people awesome. summon meteors that crash uh, on 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 your enemies like. It's it's a lot of fun. It's more Borderlands, which whether you love or hate it, that it is. Um, and the comedy this time around for me is legitimately hysterical. Like I'm literally laughing my ass off playing this game and having fun while also having that solo experience. That being said, Kyle, what are you doing this weekend? I'd like to stream this game with you. Uh, this weekend, I am not home. I broke my pencil. I- I have a I have a, a a showcase to record. Oh, okay, that's re- understandable. You got yeah, stuff to yeah, do. Yeah. All right. Fair Next enough. Next week for sure. Next week for sure. All right. Good. Guarantee it. 
Good, good, good. So that's my thoughts again. My impressions of Tiny Tina's. It is crossplay. I hear they finally got all th- that all settled and, and, and ready. So next week I'll talk about my crossplay impressions of this game. But so far, so Sweet. very freaking good. That said, Kyle, are you holding on to something? Yes. Prepare the drop. Here are the latest PlayStation games hitting the PlayStation storefront this week on April 4th. Burger Break, head to head. PlayStation 4. Easy Platinum. Head to head games are great. April 5th. <laughs> legal Dungeon PS4. Why would you want to go through the legal process? It sounds awful. <laughs> Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga PS5, PS4. MLB The Show uh, 22 PS5, PS4. Replica PlayStation 4. And on April 7th, Chrono Cross Radical Dreamers Edition. I've heard great yeah. things. I've heard good things. Yeah. One hand clapping. PlayStation 5. PS4. Don't wanna. Don't wanna. Oh, you're looking it up. Jesus. Of course I am. Uh, Outbreak. Contagious Memories. Oof. I don't know if that's the name you want for your game on PS5 and PS4. Slipstream. Ooh. On PS4. Z Warp. On PS5 and PS4. Those are the games coming out. So there you go. Kyle, it is time. Oh, oh hold on. Oh. One one hand clapping. Okay. It's a vocal 2D platformer. Solve puzzles by singing or humming into your microphone mm. and find confidence in the power of your voice as it changes the world around you. So but your your voice is, is controlling the jumping and movement okay. of your character and stuff. That's interesting. Mm. Mm. Cool. <laughs> it's time for the Sony Pony Express. Yeah. Listen, we got six questions and not a lot of time. So let's go through this. Sertonis7. Hey, gents. I am one of the people for whom the joke, don't say the G word on the podcast exists. Made me think, I'm like, what G word is he talking about? Anyway, so my opinion is clearly biased. But. Can you objectively explain to us what the metric exactly is for Game Pass is to be considered a financial success? It did nothing to help Microsoft to catch up last generation. And even now, the PlayStation 5 is still outselling the Xbox by a significant margin with the reports last week. That while the PlayStation 5 sells out within minutes, just personally saw it happen at my local GameStop over the weekend. There is now an Xbox stock for anyone who wants one and the number of users plateaued over the past quarter. And even at 25 million is about half of what PlayStation Plus subscribers are. So the people with it are likely to be hardcore fans who would have bought the individual games anyway, plenty of whom got the multiple promotions even at the start of the service. Even without the current acquisition spree from Microsoft, it's unlikely that this is currently profitable. And as proof of that, consider the upcoming family plan businesses with the in-demand products rise prices, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, etc. So, Beyond the fact that it is impossible to listen to a gaming podcast without hearing about it, what is the measure of success? What a well thought out and written question. Mm-hmm. 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 Kyle. What say you? I, I don't know how to answer. All right. Well, I would say, I would say this is a well thought out question, but there's also a lot of assumptions. Like we're assuming hardcore only hardcore fans have this. I'm not a hardcore fan. I own it, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're assuming that PlayStation Plus uh, and even its tiers are Game Pass competitor, which it's not, mm-hmm. right? Game like like how I mean the tiers will be, but PlayStation Plus right now as it stands is not a even when the tiers come out, the basic version is not it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the family plan, I don't know the pricing structure of the family plan, but from what I hear, it is extremely competitive. Um, so that's cool. But I'm going to say this, Sertonis. This is where you're going to love me now. And this is where the Xbox fans that have been cheering me on go, yeah, this has been a substance this whole time. Um, well, what is the success? What's the metric? Is it even profitable? I'm going to let you in on this. It is not. It's not profitable. Mm-hmm. If Game Pass was profitable... Phil Spencer would be talking about that right now. That would be their selling point. And it's super profitable. Every time you ask an exec, is this profitable? And they do a little you know, song and dance and not a firm yes or no. Like if the first three words aren't yes, it, then it's no. Um, person that works in PR telling you this. <laughs> Don't know if you know this. I've done with I've done like three press releases today. I'm telling you the verbiage. Um, whether you want to hear it or like to hear it or not, it's the truth. So no, it is not. It's not. And they get to make these quote unquote damaging hits to them because they believe that it will be, and they believe it will be very popular. So, you know, when they make an $80 billion plus acquisitions over the past year, they're expecting that to balloon in value. When we're talking about PlayStation five outselling the Xbox, by a significant margin, it is. It absolutely is. But it's not the two to one plus margin that the PlayStation 5 had. Sorry, 4 had. There has been a retraction in that. Now, whether that's because of Game Pass, whether it, whatever, I can't tell you. But I don't think going by the metric of I saw I can buy a PlayStation 5 or not at my GameStop is a correct metric. Um, but if you see one at your PlayStation at your GameStop, let me know because I am in the business of a second PlayStation. So that said, I think there's some assumptions here, Sir Tonus. But I think you're right. I I do think we, I do think we over, not to say over, overhype it. We circle jerk it too much. Like we act like it is the end all be all, and that there can only be this and not that. And that we believe that there can only be this service and not the other. Like, I think what Xbox fans forget sometimes, like the hardcore ones, is that we're a different market from Xbox people. And we don't particularly mind at this very point in time because our games are so good that we don't care. We're so happy with them, rather. Um, We don't really care about paying 60, 70 bucks for them because we're used to it. We've been used to it. Yeah. Xbox fans, they are now used to not having to do that. And listen, Game Pass is great. It is the best value in gaming. But um, none of really Xbox exclusives really speak to me other than Halo and Gears and Sea of Thieves. I think that's like the trifecta. And everything else is kind of like, all right, it's, I like, I'm happy for you guys. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy you guys have Ninja Theory, but none of that does that for me. So I think there's assumptions here, Satonis. But it's a, it's a well-worded argument, and I'm with you there. I also don't think the like the the price hike in Game Pass is coming soon. It will happen. It will happen once once they cross the fifty million or either fifty, seventy five, or a hundred. But I'm guessing fifty. You will see a price hike in Game Pass once they hit what they believe is like their 
their growth point because right now that $15 a month is the growth price. Everybody will tell you that. Everybody that's actually has logical thought will tell you that. This is a growth price. It's not sustainable. I bet 50 million, 100, it goes up. But I don't think it goes up by as much as you think because it's, you know, the difference between Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Disney Plus is that there's DLC and microtransactions attached to it. So they don't have to, like, Netflix relies on blockbusters like um, Stranger Things. Stranger Things to sell merch. That's how Netflix will get its money back because it oftentimes does operate at a loss. So, you know, they require they require that service to, to print, you know, games and shit. Amazon Prime is there for an extra service to keep you locked in on that free two-day shipping, uh, whereas Disney Plus is also there to sell you toys, and they sell you on their version of the metaverse. So, like, understand that, yes, this is, it's, that number isn't uh, sustainable, but I think it could last longer, and I think the the price hike won't be as severe because microtransactions, DLC, have even pro- proven they have the numbers. They, the numbers don't lie when they show their investors. They go look at how much people buy when they're on the service. So, I love how you started this with. All right, we got to go quick. <laughs> Sorry, was that a fifteen minute talk? Jesus Christ, it was. Stingray X <laughs> in the loo of releasing. But I feel like that's the most elegant no, way people absolutely. can say it. You, no, it was fantastic. Okay, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Stingray X writes in, in lieu of the release for Lego Star Wars, which Star Wars character is your favorite? Personally, Bob A. Fett is and forever will be mine. Well, I'm sorry about the Bubba Fett show. At least one half of it. <laughs> it, was uh, good. it was good. The other half, when my yeah. favorite character shows up, uh-huh. that's when shit gets good. So your favorite character is Mandalorian? Yeah. Didn't jar him, dude. So awesome. <laughs> I I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I've said it before. I think my favorite character is the one that I see as myself. Okay. It's R two R two D two. Alright, cool. I thought you were gonna say Jar Jar Binks or something. No, 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 yeah. no. R two's no, awesome. No, Misa no, not say that. <laughs> <laughs> you can get the fuck out the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry for the cuss again. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinjarin, absolutely. Um, honestly, I was debating. I'm like, is I could bring in warm or I could bring in cold. One of the best, like the best line in Star Wars, has to be top three, man. Mm. Has to be top three for me. <laughs> so badass, Jesus Christ! And then he goes kills a whole bunch of dudes. All right, K two S O as well is pretty good. It's oh pretty my good. god, K two S O, yes, pretty dope. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, God, I got to watch Rogue One again. Clear Wings writes, I am glad to see Moss 1 and 2 getting getting large platforms to become more known. Besides being more inclusive, what other things do you think developers could take from games like Moss? I got one. Yeah, go, go for it. Be confident in what you want to make. Yeah. I think, those, I think that team, talking to them, and again, that interview goes up next week. Talking to them, they knew exactly what they wanted this game to be and i think sometimes in development for games someone comes in going hey i just played this one game we need to implement it in this game and i feel like in some ways horizon forbidden west kind of suffers from that as well for sure yeah stick with your vision stick with what you 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 want to do and not be pressured into putting in what's hot right now yeah kind of thing yep and johnson writes with unreal engine 5 update 
added for developers. Do you predict any large companies will be utilizing the incredible aesthetic and architecture of content creation? I recently watched their presentation on the update and it looks it looks and sounds incredible for anyone who wants or, or sorry for anyone from startups to people who have been doing it for years. I remember the matrix experience was exciting, but I wonder if what really impressed companies and want to jump in was this. It was amazing to see how far tech has come to create lifelike content that anybody can jump in and use. I think that's why so many people love this engine so much. Yeah. Ease of use. Yeah, and I, I, I actually do think that Matrix experience was pretty eye-opening. Yeah. And I, I do think that turned some heads in the developer community, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Yuna writes in, okay, are we going to get a spicy Andrews update? Who knows? Uh, hey, guys, welcome to April, where spring loves to bring rain. Oh, you got me there for a sec. We all take our time for a new journey, and the summer is upon us, guys. So... I've been mostly playing GTA 5 this week, and that where that's where my question comes in. How do you guys feel about games having some content that is not required to 100% or platinum uh, to completion? GTA 5 has some content that is not required to 100%. Not that I'm going for it or just doing it as much as I can, and it's very nice. And sad that a lot of the content is not required for that 100%. Where do you guys stand on this? I am... 100% okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I, I Speaking from experience with Elden Ring, I am totally okay that I didn't have to experience every single quest line for every NPC just because that would have drove me crazy the yeah. way it's implemented in that game of keeping track of it all and making sure I don't lock out of anything. Like, I'm very happy that there is stuff in there for people that want to experience it if they choose to do so. But for me, you know, if I want to stick to the golden path per se, or ha- only have if for a trophy purpose, oh, trophies only hitting certain parts of the game, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. And if I truly love it, then yeah, I'll go back and experience it all. Yeah, I think, I think there are games like Horizon that are like you don't have to, like once you plat it, there's still stuff to do. And I think mm-hmm. that's great for people that are still enjoying the game. And they'll yeah. feel like they've totally 100%ed it and they can't go back to it. So, yeah, I don't I don't feel absolutely crushed. Also, if I had to do, like, was that Storm Strike game on Horizon and, like, beat everybody oh, yeah. there, I'd go uh-huh. crazy. I'd go crazy. I like that game. Yeah, could suck an egg. So, yeah, no, I'm ter- perfectly fine with that. Great question, as always, you know. Todd Oksha writes in, with Xbox seemingly planning to announce a family uh, game pass and Nintendo already having a family pass, do you think PlayStation will ever do this with PlayStation Plus? Plus? PS Plus Plus. Plus Plus. I think eventually down the road. Yeah, way down the road, though. This way is PlayStation, after all. I mean, yeah, just think. We just got to how- change our names like two years ago. Exactly. And it, it, it took them. How long has Game Pass been out? Uh, 2016, 2017. All right. So five, four or five years to do a equivalent, quote unquote, not really of Game Pass or their version of it. It's going to probably be the same equivalent until we get like a family plan. Type yeah. Of thing. Also, just FYI, everybody for the PlayStation uh tiers right now playstation now is 60 bucks right for so smart yeah so you could get it for cheap 
and I have already stacked, I think, two or three years. So going yeah. back to the one question <laughs> again, you know, I've got this stacked. I'm not really a hundred and twenty dollar, uh, you know, a year member. I'm really right now a sixty dollar member. Yeah. Um, but like they got me, and, then, and PlayStation knows what they're doing. They know what they, yeah, they know they're gonna they fluff know. those numbers up for their investors. They know exactly yeah. what they're doing. They could be like, look at how many platinum tiers we have, and then the numbers gonna slowly dwindle over time. Like they and absolutely they, they know. Also what know what? Maybe thirty percent of those people are gonna forget about it mm-hmm. and get that one hundred twenty dollars charge. My dumbass, yeah, yeah, exactly. Same with me. That being said, as well. Even come out and said over two thirds of PlayStation Plus users are yearly uh, subscribers. Nice. That being said, my indigestion comes in right at the end with the oh, last no. question, Mike from this little podcast called Six One Indie. Oh, hey. Do you believe Six One Indie scared E Three away, and Jeff is just taking all the credit with a little wink, wink? Or sorry, taking the credit with a little wink, wink. Yeah. Okay. Also, absolutely. How many tubes you read? All the tombs. Yeah. Dude, awesome. First off, congratulations. Here's where thank I you. spotlight you, sir. How about this? Oh, Here's a change. Uh, your outlet, 61ND, got yeah. spotlighted by none other than Coward of the Who Won't Come Out of the Show, <laughs> Jeff Grab. <laughs> yeah. You're part of the summer game mess. You guys are having a little indie showcase yourselves, which is so awesome. I don't see anybody doing this. Terrifying. Take it away. It's absolutely terrifying. If you don't know, on April 20th, we are doing the. Well, what's supposed to be a PAX East panel idea, mm-hmm. um, they rejected it, so we're doing it anyway. Uh, we're basically doing our own little indie game showcase where we have 15 or so indie games, mm-hmm. um, and new trailers, new announcements, release dates, all fun things. And we're going to put it together like a digital show and uh, just showcase why indie games are dope and why these indie developers are awesome. And it's going to be super, super fun. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going up this Saturday to record the show. Um, so that's why I can't play Tiny Tina with you. Yeah. Uh, I am incredibly nervous. I hope it turns out well. I hope everyone tunes in and plays some of these games because it's some pretty awesome things yeah. that we're going to show off. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty awesome, man. Congratulations. That's awesome. Got me thinking of ideas that maybe we can do in the future, but oh, then I was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's a little bit too much work. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I, and and I want to fully say this right now. Yeah. Shout out to Mike. Yeah. Mike has been the driving force for a very long time uh, with, with all these big project ideas and the podcast, whatever. He's absolutely crushing it. So please go give uh, Mike Towndrow at Mixtowndrow on Twitter all the love and uh yeah, he deserves a lot of it because a lot of this is because of him. Yeah, yeah. With that said, you can follow the show over at PS Trophy Room. You can follow me over at Mr. Badbit on Twitter. You can follow the Trophy Room wherever you find your podcast service of choice. And if you like what you hear today, I don't know, maybe consider dropping us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Consider maybe even doing the same over on Spotify. You know, drop us a five star review there and make sure you, you know, maybe want to throw us a buck over at patreon.com slash PS Trophy Room. I am so sorry that last week's show, I did not put it up. Work's been really nuts. So what we're going to do this week is this week's episode is free because there is a question uh, from Green Gorilla Gamer who says, how do I get into the podcasting scene, content creation scene? And we're going to let you in on how we do it here. Uh, a lot of creators show how the sauce gets made, so we're going to show you how. Um, 
the I, the cake gets made. God damn, no sauce in this bullshit. So <laughs> the cake gets made. All righty. Uh-huh. So with all that said, with all that out of the way, everybody, keep your wits about you. Keep hunting. Keep playing PlayStation. See you guys. Misa, love you very much. I'm finding a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs>